Let me just set up this recording equipment back up. And welcome to the new season of Cinemazing Chats. Uh, I'm your host, Pablo, and joined here with my co-host, uh, Erica. Hi. And for this very special episode, we're going to be talking about the 2016 film Warcraft. And I have two special guests, which are my brother, Juan, and my wife, uh, Ada Jeanette, joining us for the first time. Oh, hi. And this is a film that I don't think any of us had seen before, except for Erica. Um, so I was going to ask if she remembers any of her experience, you know, sort of seeing this movie for the first time in theaters and what kind of like stood out from that initial experience. Um, yes. Okay. So apparently this was 2016. Um, and I'm, yeah, so I don't think I remember very much from this, seeing this movie at all. I remember being in the theater. I remember orcs being on the screen. Um, but honestly, I had thought you had seen it with me, maybe a group of people. And I don't <laughs> think that happened at all. So, um, it did not stand out very you much. You wrote me into your memories. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> ghost version of pablo was there i gave myself a reason to see it because it was so bad <laughs> in my memories <laughs> i remember like some vague publicity about this film but nothing like major and i certainly don't remember anyone like talking in a glowing way about it um i can really imagine that the like executive meeting for this was like so avatar just made a billion dollars lord of the rings also made a billion dollars put the two together and we'll see if we can make two billion dollars the first avatar is secretly a warcraft movie like, it's all about turning yourself to, like, a blue elf or whatever. Weren't there blue uh, characters? Is that the Drain, drain Eye or whatever they're called? Probably. <laughs> uh, so I thought something else we could do is sort of go around and talk about our familiarity with Warcraft. And I think um, we'll go with Juan last, because I think he might have the most experience with this particular genre. Uh, just sort of speaking for myself, I definitely played some of the Warhammer 3, uh, you know, top-down sort of tactical game, strategy game. Uh, which is like basically StarCraft, but in fantasy realm. Uh, and I maybe played like a trial version of World of Warcraft, but nothing major. Uh, you know, I never really got into those. I never made like squads. Um, I definitely watched, you know, all of that comedy series that was about the same thing, World of Warcraft. Um, maybe, maybe let's, let's go, go to, to Janet, Janet, Janet next. What's your What's familiarity with, with Warcraft? Warcraft? <laughs> um, so I don't think I was aware of WoW until like freshman college dormy situations but honestly never got into it so um i was aware because the floor i lived on for a couple of years there were some really intense like warcraft players and we all drank a lot together so i have like i'll claim cultural familiarity but the knowledge is very surface um, and I have no deep emotional investment in this world at all. <laughs> and actually, I do remember one time, I think, Erica, you played some Warcraft, you know, actually, and you were saying, like, I'm a lady or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Do. Yeah, I, someone let me play on their account like one night or something and he was like just telling me what to do because I didn't know what I was doing, and then we were just, like, chatting and trolling people, basically. <laughs> All right, Juan, what about your experience or familiarity? So I think I'm kind of similar to you, Pablo, where uh, I don't know a ton about the lore, but I did play, like, the demo, the free demo of World of Warcraft, like, before it actually came out. 
uh, and then after that, um, I also played more of the Warhammer games. Like, I think originally the reason that they wanted to make Warcraft is because, like, in the 90s, uh, Blizzard had wanted to get the Warhammer license, but they couldn't get the rights, so they kind of, like, switched it around. Uh, kind of like how Nintendo wanted to make a Popeye game, but then they turned it into Donkey Kong. <laughs> and then they later did the same oh. thing with, like, Warhammer 40,000 and StarCraft, but I think that was more an obvious ripoff. And, um... I think it's kind of like everything is like a remix of a remix, like uh, Dungeons and Dragons was was inspired by like Lord of the Rings, and Warhammer is inspired by Dungeons and Dragons, and Warcraft is inspired by this. And Lord of the Rings was probably inspired by ancient myths. Yeah, like basically rewriting the uh, and stuff like that. But I think like some of the inspirations are a little bit more interesting than Warcraft. Like uh, in Warhammer, orcs have a thing where like they have a, a psychic field around them so that if they believe in something, it'll happen as a group. So, like, they'll build machineries that doesn't work and it'll work because they think it should work. Or, like, they mm. think that painting something red will make something go faster and that actually does make it go faster. So that's kind of more interesting. Yeah. Mm, I like that. But, like, for actual Warcraft, uh, I don't know a ton about the background, so I'm kind of, like, new to this franchise in a way. It seems like a lot of it is basically, like, Tolkien light. Mm. Uh, you know, elves, dwarves, uh, and then the mysterious animal races of various sorts. Uh, and obviously you can play as an orc as well. What's weird is, like, the things that people liked, I think, about World of Warcraft were that they could play as all these different races. Like, you could be an elf, a dwarf, a gnome, whatever. But in this movie, they just focus on the two most straightforward, boring ones. Like, they have, like, a, a flash of an elf or a flash of a dwarf, but most of it's just humans and orcs. It's like, nobody cares about those. And then the really weird thing is for about 60 to 7% of the movie, you are following an orc, Duratan, uh, and you can almost see it like as an indigenous uh, people story. But then, like, mm -hmm. pretty much around maybe the three quarter mark, his character's killed unceremoniously in like a tribal battle with uh, the evil king orc or whatever. Uh, and then mm -hmm. they've never mentioned him again, and you basically see that, you know, the mother and father get taken out and it almost becomes like a Moses tale, where I guess the super important orc uh, later down the line. So I thought that was a very odd choice. They have like an origin story for that little green baby orc, and that's the like orc that people actually like, that they care about his story, but he's just a baby in this one. So for some reason they're going back and doing like the story of uh, Warcraft 1, which maybe people have fond memories about, but like the, the big audience doesn't really care about. Hmm. It's like they made the prequel. Okay, two questions. Did they... Um... One is, did they actually think they were going to get a second movie out of this? And two, um, is Warhammer 40k the thing that Henry Cavill is making a movie on? Yeah, no, he's doing okay. that on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, he's okay. going to make a Warhammer movie and probably be way better than this. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like they wanted to make this into a long-running series. Like, if you look at the cast, they're all cast very young, it seems like. Like, they wanted to have them available for years and years to come, but, like, this one failed oh, okay. out of the gate, so it's kind of a wasted potential. <laughs> Sounds like they probably would have made a sequel that was based more on like Warcraft Two, which is the story that people would have wanted to see. So it is very much like the Star Wars prequels. I think even there, like the one that people like is Warcraft Three, which was much later. Like these first two games came out in the '90s, and then people were like so so on them, and then like, the big one was in the 2000s. Like that's the one that made it so popular. You'd have to wait until the third movie to get to the plot of that. And we should talk about the director a little bit, uh, Duncan Jones, mm -hmm. who we should just lead with, is the son of, uh, you know, David Bowie, and has some, made some pretty what? interesting films. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. 
So his full name is Duncan Zowie Haywood Jones. Zowie. Uh, you know, an old name like Zowie. that. Zowie. 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 <laughs> anyway, uh, he made Moon and Source Code, both which are pretty good and like, you know, sort of heady things. But after this, mm. he hasn't really made like a very interesting film since then. Well, he made he made a fourth movie called Mute, which is technically set in the same world as Moon. Like there's a cameo of one of the clones of Sam Rockwell, like testifying to the Senate. About like how he was abused on the moon. Cool. And then it also has like Paul Rudd and Justin Thoreau, except they're playing like evil villainous versions of the doctors from MASH. But not even like <laughs> the TV show MASH, the movie MASH, which most people I don't think really like that much. Hmm. I would watch just that movie, just that premise. <laughs> evil MASH. Uh, <laughs> like he makes them like sex criminals and like murders, and it's like, are you supposed to be enjoying Paul Rudd doing these horrible things? I don't know. Hmm. I would watch Duncan Jones direct Sex Criminals, the comic book series. Uh, anyway, anyways, this, this movie, movie wasn't that, that big of a failure, failure um, because the budget was $160 million, but then the actual box office was $439 million. So it actually made a fair amount of change. Again, I think owing to the 3D, uh, you know, 3D upcharge. And I think, uh, I think we mentioned this on the, like, the old episode about X-Men Apocalypse, but that year is like a really big year for franchise movies. So, like, DC had Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad. Uh, mm. Marvel had Civil War and Deadpool. They had a Star Wars. They had a Star Trek. They had Ghostbusters reboot. And they also had, like, one of those terrible uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find the movies. Mm. So it's just an overcrowded. It was, like, a really stuffed year. And I think maybe that's why people don't really have, like, an opinion about Warcraft. Because, like, there's all these other movies that were taking up all the attention. Yeah, I remember like seeing the ad and being like, could be good, but then I didn't think about it ever again until now. It felt like a filler the whole time. Yeah, I think one of the weird things is that Blizzard is really good at making cinematics. Like, you could just like sit on YouTube and watch their like Cutscenes. animated movies, basically. And those are like really nice to look at and have a good momentum to them, but then they can't turn that into a movie. They can't make it into a plot of a film. Hmm. And obviously there's been a big problem in general with video game adaptations. They should take a page out of that arcane book or yeah. that show arcane uh, from league of legends was done well yeah i mean netflix would probably let them make like a warcraft anime or something maybe that would actually work out and something i should mention just about the design of this movie like i can't stand the human armor like it maybe it does work mm -hmm. in the game where it's like very cartoony effects but i don't know why they didn't try to like better translate it into like something humans would actually wear it just looks like they're wearing walking around wearing like weird superhero armor or something well, I think a lot of that that design is basically since it did start out as like a tabletop figurines in Warhammer, like they look cool if you're looking down at a tiny little figurine or if like on the Warcraft games, if you're looking at them from like a top view, then when you actually look at them like from the front, they look ridiculous because they have like giant shoulders and like massive armor. Or even just the proportions, like everything just seems very squat or something. Like everyone's built like a boxer or wrestler or something. Oh, and I did want to mention, uh, I found out that apparently this movie was going to come out in 2015, but then they discovered that uh, mm -hmm. The Force Awakens, the first Star Wars you know, reboot, was going to come out at the same summer, so they pushed it an entire year forward. So I find that very mm -hmm. funny, just because they just sat on a finished film, and probably the effects deteriorated in that time. So getting into the plot of this movie a little bit, uh, basically we have a breakdown of like magic is could be good but it's largely tied to like i don't know necromorphy or something it's like very death magic inspired uh so we have what turns out to be this whole plot with an evil wizard 
who's like being controlled by this green evil magic. Yeah, but they also have like blue magic in it, which doesn't seem to have any downsides or like any cost to it. Like the guy can just make infinite blue magic, like shields and teleportations and whatever. So it's like, why don't you just do that instead of this green magic? <laughs> which like you have to kill people to power up. You have to like get corrupted. <laughs> it's by. expensive magic. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like if you had like marijuana or something and everybody wanted to do meth instead, like just choose the one that doesn't have any downsides. Right. And maybe they would have done that in Warcraft 2 or something. And it makes sense. Um, maybe Goldan didn't have the blue access to the mage stuff. Mm -hmm. So like a, the demon or whatever that's in charge of the fell. I, I read up on this because <laughs> uh -huh. um, I don't actually know any of this. Um, but that <laughs> like tempted him with power or whatever because right. he didn't have that. But but I think I also read that the guardian guy and the lore, maybe he was corrupted from birth. So like it wasn't a choice, which makes more sense than this, where it's like, yeah, if he had access to like mage powers that why would he even be tempted by the fell? Yeah, I think they kind of like mention it like in a monologue of his or something that he was like trying to explore the limits of the world. And that's how he got to like the orc planet or dimension or something. And that's where he apparently impregnated a, an orc woman. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> oh yeah, so we should yes. mention among the many characters, Paula Patton plays a half orc, half human, and I kind of liked how they just like made her up, and I was kind of like it would have been interesting if they had just done that effect instead of like over relying on CGI so much. She mm -hmm. looked fine, like she looked convincing. There are a lot of like scenes, especially at the beginning, where like they're they're closed up on the CGI orcs, like to kind of show that they're having a dramatic performance, but their design is so so stiff that it doesn't work like they just can only make one expression basically but they're trying to make it seem like they can act yeah like the models and the textures are all pretty good looking uh but yeah probably the animation itself is where it suffers um and just in general like the whole feel of this movie it definitely felt like i don't know maybe not the first draft but like a second or third draft and they needed to make like entire more passes to like have somebody step in and be like does this make sense is this satisfying like uh, dramatically is this a story worth telling uh does the third act kind of fall apart you know just like basic questions like that i mean yeah it feels like they edit it more than jupiter ascending for example uh -huh. um but i don't know i i always i just felt like at the end i was like okay is that it <laughs> this whole it time this is where we're gonna get, end up I think the problem is there isn't really a good point of view or a protagonist character, or if they are, they get kind of like written off. So it's not really like clear who you're supposed to be rooting for. Like, you, should you be rooting for the good orc? Should you be rooting for the humans just because they're humans? Like, it makes it, there's no stakes really. Is it Paula Patton? Like, they're just kind of, ex <laughs> yeah, like you're just kind of expecting you should side with the humans because they're humans, but not really giving a good reason why. Well, this is a problem that Janet's actually talked about a lot separately. Um, it's just like, so looking at Star Wars for a second, like what does the evil empire actually want? Like what is their end goal? And this is something you've talked talk about, about a, lot. a lot. Oh yeah, I was wondering what the hell the point of the, the green magic was. You know how like, I don't know, like in general, like to what end is this happening? Is it really just like, I wanna push my own limits? That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like it is always more interesting when you can kind of not really sympathize but at least understand the villain's motivations but here if it's just being evil for the sake of evil like how is that compelling 
I mean, so the basic plot is, so we have Daniel Wu as Goldan and Ben Foster as Midiva. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. And they're kind of Medivh. conspiring, yeah, to bring this magic over into the world. And it's introduced in a very confusing way, I thought, at the very beginning, where you see that the orcs are sort of moving their entire camp through this, like, weird green portal, uh, which, again, does become important later in the movie. But it's also just like, did we really need that element in the movie? Like, maybe this is important to Warcraft lore, but I don't really understand what the portal had to do with anything. Like, it would have been one thing if at the end, like, they had a monster crawl through, or somehow the portal is important in that way. It's kind of just a transportation system. I don't know if they explained it well, but it kind of sounded like they were implying that the the orc world or orc dimension or something was dying, maybe. And that's why they had to escape or evacuate. But that wasn't communicated yeah i didn't even know that warcraft had multiple dimensions <laughs> yeah it was definitely a multiverse thing is like they were from drainars drain i don't know and then they were going to azeroth <laughs> they were from the conehead planet <laughs> basically but i i do remember that what you mentioned one about like the world dying and then there was some thread that carried through about, like, we need to reconnect with the way of life that makes the land thrive. I don't know. I, I don't remember how they were saying it, but it felt like something that was added in at the beginning. And then they just, like, never followed through. <laughs> yeah, so that was the, like, that the guy who we think is the protagonist at the beginning. That's, like, apparently the Frost Wolves clan or whatever. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, the whole like, yeah, he was like, oh no, the fell is taking more than just like the visual human sacrifice that you're taking. It's like taking the whole land or whatever. But anyways, was, yeah, was that whole thing with the like indigenous undertones, was that like racist? Probably. <laughs> I, think, I think part of it was that they were trying to like over time like originally the orcs were portrayed as just kind of like vicious brutes and then they wanted to make them more like uh like a class you might want to play as so they made them more like kind of like noble honorable warriors like kind of mm -hmm. like how they did klingons in star trek like they changed them from just like being the villains to being like an actual civilization yeah they did keep talking about honor so it was very mm -hmm. klingon-esque that's so a good they're point making it so basically like the orange orcs were still being honorable while the the corrupted green orcs are more vicious, I don't know. That's a good point, because I think in probably, like, Warhammer 1 or 2, the orcs were probably just, like, almost like the Horde, or whatever it's called, in mm -hmm. uh, StarCraft, which is kind of like a mindless, yeah, just a evil force. They're bad. You know, they're more like the Lord of the Rings orcs, where they, have, where they all speak in, like, Cockney accents, and they're just, like, running around crazily. <laughs> I know, I just have a lot of, like, amusement for the Warhammer version of orcs. Yeah, back there's always yelling stuff like "need more Daka." It's <laughs> <laughs> cute, and I think Blizzard is good at like doing stuff like that. Um, or, or you said Warhammer. Uh, one thing I did think was uh, really weird about this movie is the way they laid out the exposition. It almost felt like stuttering, like da 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 da, one big block of exposition, da da da, -da another big block of exposition. And I think a good example of that is so there's a like mage in training played by uh, I guess his name is Ben Schnitzer. Uh, who's also York in Why the Last Man. And anyway, at one point he goes to, like, the head of the mages or whatever, and they, like, reveal all this thing about magic to him. And that's just, like, a perfect example of, like, you go to this new location, then someone, like, reveals this entire new aspect of the world that they're trying to build. 
and then doesn't really come back again in like any meaningful way. Like they're basically just warning him that uh, Ben Foster is evil. Uh, and I think Glenn Close is in that scene also, by the way, which is very strange. She's just like one of the head yeah. mages. <laughs> I think this was during a time when she kept doing like random one-off cameos. Like she was in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy like a couple of years before. This just as random, un- unnecessary role. And of course, she's in Disney as Cruella Deville. <laughs> Not oh anymore. And now it's Emma Stone. And they also have uh, Dominic Cooper and Ruth Nega in this, both from Preacher, both extremely good actors, both completely wasted in this movie as, like, the king and queen. I wonder if they're almost just, like, friends with Duncan Jones or something, like, owed, somebody owed somebody a favor. They just, like, have no reason to be in this movie. Maybe he's the same casting director as Preacher or something like that. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Like, a lot of times casting directors will reuse actors between projects. But just looking at the overall cast of this, it feels like... I don't know, either the characters are supposed to be older than they visibly are, or maybe they're making a commentary like, this kingdom is ruled by children, because like, everyone looks like they're in their late 20s or early 30s. So I think a perfect example of this is the main human character, Anduin, uh, played by Tra- Travelus Femel, uh, who's also in Raised by Wolves, and you can almost see this as like an audition tape for that. And one of these scenes that really stood out for me is there's a, like, a, like a shield, like a magical shield, protecting the humans from the orcs at some point they're around the middle of the movie and his son gets trapped right outside the shield and there's like this whole tragedy of his son getting killed and all that stuff but like his son seems the same age as him or there's barely an age gap there where someone would have like a full-grown son and not themselves be very old at that point they call that son character sergeant so somehow he's been old enough to like rise through the ranks to become a sergeant even though he looks like he's 12 something and then his father looks like he's maybe 35, so I don't know how that works on that. What's the life expectancy in this world? 35. <laughs> what is this, based on a video game? If you look up all the character names, like all the art shows them as basically being like middle-aged or older, like they have white beard and stuff, so it's like, why not just make them up to look that old? We should also mention that the uh, the main orc that we follow, Duratan, who I thought, I fully expected to be the main character until he's sort of unceremoniously killed, about 60% of the movie. Um, he is really in with all these, like, Planet of the Apes movies. Like, I think he was in at least two of those. And he also was uh, Doctor Doom in that horrible fan four stick reboot. Uh, Toby Kebble. I think he also uh, played He might have King also played Kong. Kong. Yeah. So he likes doing this motion capture stuff. Yeah, so he's very talented at that stuff, so I guess that's why they hired him for this. Um, and I thought his performance was really good. I would have liked him to like be the hero throughout the movie instead of like kind of just getting killed off <laughs> midway through. I think it's kind of the weird prequel stuff where, again, like, the little green orc baby is supposed to be a main character, so his backstory is that his like parents were killed, so that's the only reason they have those parent characters in this movie to die. So it's like, just skip ahead. We don't need to know. We don't need to see, like, every little thing. Yeah, and the mom isn't really that much of a character either, and then she, uh, like, her big action scene is, like, protecting the life of the Moses kid who gets sent down to the river, and then she gets killed as well. Um, but some of that stuff was the most touching stuff, where it's just, like, CGI characters tangibly, like, interacting and, like, uh, romantic or, like, uh, you know, very, I guess, human, for lack of a better word, ways. Uh, some of that stuff was actually pretty good, like, well-observed human behavior. Yeah, I think... I think the orcs are the only ones who actually, like, joke around with each other, have, like, any kind of sense of humor. Like, they're not funny um, jokes, but at least they... Can I ask, so, okay, maybe. so, the 
orc wife of what Doratan, I forget her name. Anyways, she's like pregarnant and then like why are they hiding that so she can go through the portal but then it causes a miscarriage or something? Right. Oh, that was right. Draca. Draca. Or she goes into labor. Yeah. I think the maybe just caused the baby to come like to come mm-hmm. early or something like that. So that they can suck the life out of a deer and put it into the little baby for no reason. Oh my god! Yeah, I was gonna say that's the plot of Buffy. Right. They brought <laughs> Buffy back to life by sacrificing a deer. <laughs> but what is this trade? It's like a deer for like this baby. <laughs> It's an equal trade, I guess. (laughs) I think Janet was saying when we watched the movie that that seemed like it was like the origin story, like a flashback, and then it would skip ahead to show that like (laughs) baby grown up, but it wasn't like it's still a baby until the end of the movie. Yeah, I do remember thinking that it just felt Mm. like a flashback. You know what it was? And then they didn't. Yeah, it's like they meant to make the first movie and get it popular, and then this would have been the prequel or whatever, but, like, after the main story is popular. This really reminds me of Jupiter Ascending or, like, any of these films where, like, they're so ambitious and probably, like, have a huge Bible of, like, all the story beats they want to hit, like, over the course of a series, and then they, like, pick, like, maybe the most boring intro parts, uh, and they kind of screw themselves because nobody cares about that part. It kind of feels like they were trying to do, like, the Star Wars... Uh, trilogy but as if like phantom menace had been the first movie to ever be released like and then continuing from there why why mimic that and this movie does have some very prequely vibes like uh one of my one of the action scenes that actually stood out to me a little bit was when the humans first encounter the orcs and they have a little melee in the forest with some like cool activity with like different uh wooden tools or whatever and that scene was good, except for the entire background looked like they were in front of a cartoon. Like, it didn't look like Avatar Pandora's level, like, realistic. It just looked like they're very obviously in a CGI green screen scenario. I think they, like, abuse green screen even when they don't need to. Like, they put a green screen of a forest behind them, and the forest is not anything special. It just looks like trees, like real earth trees. So why not just go out into the forest and film it there? Yeah, they could have just gone back to, like, the Redwoods in California or wherever Return of the Jedi was filmed. Any forest. It also makes the camera work kind of like uh, constrained. Like it feels like everybody's kind of zoomed in. Like there's no wide shots. I don't think like everybody's like shot from the waist up. Mm. Oh, and I did look up the cinematographer for this movie had also done a bunch of the Alex Proyas films like iRobot most recently, uh, which maybe explains why some of the shots have similar defects to them in, in terms of like incorporating CGI characters and real elements mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And uh, we also learned that Sam Raimi was originally going to direct this, but he must have gone off uh, to do those Oz movies instead. Nice. Um, can I take it back to a question about the magics <laughs> again? Because are they, like, it's the blue and the green magic. Are those the only two magics floating around? Or is there, like, orange magic and, red magic. you know, red magic? I think magic. there might also be, like, uh, necromancer type magic like controlling the dead and that's probably like more in world world of warcraft like maybe not in this part of the story oh one thing i do remember from world of warcraft is so when you die you go to like a green realm i think and you have to kind of like or maybe it's the blue realm but anyway you have to trek back mm-hmm. to your own body in ghost form and like i guess possess yourself fun show that yeah it's kind of weird because they were trying to make this all like 
heavy and like realistic and dramatic and they like left out all the like campy cheesy elements which again looking at some of these other video game adaptations uh, especially by Ubao maybe I don't know maybe there is some uh, reason to that but on the other hand a lot of those campy elements are the reason why it's popular to begin with it kind of seems like they're going to, like they're going to a lot of trouble to not be like Lord of the Rings so maybe that's why they sucked some of the like personality or humor out of it to be kind of more straight laced or dramatic I think if you've seen the new Amazon Lord of the Rings show I think that kind of almost has a similar tone to this but it's more successful because I guess maybe they have better casting or maybe they have better writing or even like a show like The Witcher like I think has much more interesting elves Mm -hmm. and you actually delve into that or uh, like you were just saying the Rings of Power they have uh, you know they go further into the dwarves Whereas in this one, you like they imply they have elves, they imply they have doors. They don't really make any impact on the story. They don't really. And appear. if you look at like the box art of all these Warcraft games, the elves and the dwarves are the main cover. Like that's what people are, are attracted to. Like what that's what they're interested in. This whole like expanded world of different races and different cultures mixing together. So I don't know why they focused on this one just because it's the first game. I think again they were definitely chasing that avatar money, and I think that also explains a little bit of why it was so CGI heavy. Because I know that, like, when you have CGI, like, characters, it makes it a lot easier to integrate everything if you have an entirely CGI environment as well. And I imagine this movie was also, you know, came out in 3D and all that stuff. So they probably, uh, and this is something that I think affected even, like, the Hobbit sequels, like, the Hobbit movies, uh, where it's, like, so CGI heavy to the point where poor Ian McKellen's, like, crying about he wants to act with real actors and be on real sets. Uh, so the same thing on this one where like they wanted it to be such a 3D heavy movie that they like lost sense of like uh, you know real awe real natural beauty real light hitting real things you know like going back to the kind of half orc warrior woman like her, her makeup makes her look different from the CGI orcs but it makes it more it makes it easier to act so maybe if they had gone for like a design closer to her face or closer to her husks it made it more easier for the orcs to across realistically yeah yeah and there's also a lot of weird things about like people becoming people's prisoners and then escaping from being in prison and like i feel like half the movie like is anduin being trapped and then garona being trapped uh as like a slave orc or whatever uh, and being led along uh, different paths um but it's just like a lot of convolution it's not like it lacks clarity and I think there's some weird, like, sexual undercurrents throughout the whole thing where, like, everybody wants to have sex with the half-orc woman, and she says, like, basically, death by snusu, and, like, if they tried to have well, sex with her, yeah, but... their bones would be crushed. <laughs> it even seems up, like, like that was triad. maybe yeah. almost why she was, like, kept alive or something, like, she was that. a slave to Golden. It's like, was she, a, like, a, yeah, that kind of sex slave as well, obviously, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's probably in a draft yeah. that they took out. <laughs> Oh, there was a cool Griffin at one point. Oh yeah, that's what I wrote. Is I was the Anduin Lothar guy. He's like ran. I was just like he's a random guy who gets around by Griffin and has a son. Like there wasn't that much introduction to him. (laughs) Uh, They have like little Easter eggs. Like the Griffins, I think, are how you fly around in World of Warcraft to get from like city to city. Or like they have like this little swamp creature in the background who goes like (laughs) because that's like one of the monsters. Oh, speaking of the the beasts or whatever i thought the frost wolves or whatever the giant wolf creatures with the orcs um they were cute their fur was cgi'd well i wanted to pet it and then um 
I thought that, yeah, the griffin was good. There was yeah. a scene at the end or whatever. But it was, like, the griffin was, like, scree-scrawing, like, an eagle or whatever, like, attacking, and it's done pretty well. <laughs> yeah, he was well involved in the third act in, like, the eagles in The Lord of the Rings, which, yes. like, sit it all out. Like, I think part of what people like about this this whole franchise, at least in the games, is that you can, like, explore the world. Like, if they made, like, kind of, like, a travelogue movie, like, moving from section to section, like, learning about the different cultures, maybe that would have been a more interesting way to take it. But here they're just kind of, like, teleporting between, like, the castle and the orc camp and then just back and forth. That's a really good point. And probably them, again, like, trying not to be like Lord of the Rings to their own detriment. Um, to what extent is the teleportation important after this, let's call it an episode of, you know, this universe. I think this would have been the end of it, probably. Well, I think it's like they invade and then the the orcs win for a while and then the humans take it back and then just goes back and forth. But I think this is like the main time that they come into the to the human world. Yeah, because at the end, um, he, it turns blue. So I think you can power the portal with just regular magic or something. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is, um, I guess we kind of joked about this a little bit earlier, but I felt like the uh, the young mage, the casting for that character was pretty off. I don't know. It kind of reminded me of, like in Wayne's World 2 where they like go to a gas attendant and they're like, we know it's a bit part, but can we have a better uh-huh. actor for this? And I, I don't know. He just didn't. He had no charisma or no like humor. It reminded me of when you have like a, an annoying classmate or like a bad roommate who only cares about like studying. It doesn't really have a good personality. Like, okay enjoy being a scholar but like this is not really compelling to watch and that wouldn't be a big deal except that at a certain point it becomes like only him and only uh the the raised by mm. wolves guy just kind of running around trying to and save everything they're trying to do kind of like an odd couple pairing between them but like one of them is earnest and uptight and then the other one is also earnest and uptight so it doesn't really work like you want one side of them to be the comedy play. relief they should have had ryan reynolds <laughs> and the guy who played thanos <laughs> yeah i guess He's maybe a, the mage, the young mage or whatever is maybe a failed comic relief. Because there's the scene where he's like staring at Garona and she's like, oh, you want to sleep with me or whatever. And they're like laughing at him basically. But I don't know. But I appreciated the scene where he's like nerding out in the Guardian's library. I was like, just make this a Buffy episode uh-huh. basically. It's like... <laughs> Like, there's a pretty similar character in Game of Thrones, Samuel Tarly, who's, like, almost the same archetype, but there he's, like, an underdog, so mm. you're kind of rooting for him to, like, be able to use his knowledge and, like, prove things and find things, but here it's just, like, I don't care if he succeed or not, just go away. He's, like, the manic pixie dream girl. He's kind of bumbling, but he's, uh, like, actually the most powerful or something. <laughs> he's the manic, knowledgeable nerd boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I also think Ben Foster was really wasted in this, and he's often the best part of, like, even bad movies, but also often the best part of, like, really good movies, like in 310 to Yuma, and uh, I even like some of his, like, early 2000s movies, where he was, like, mostly in, like, teen comedies and stuff like that. Um, So he's a tremendously gifted actor, but in this one, he just kind of felt like a... I don't want to say a dirty bum, but basically... I think if he had been, like, maybe more unhinged, like, more of a, a crazy wizard kind of type... That would have suited his talent well. Like here, just kind of being again very straightforward, even though he's talking about crazy stuff. And he's just like, "Well, you don't understand the pressures I'm under, and I have to do this and that." 
and he even he kills his friend who's like helping him out he's like i'm sorry and then he like sacrifices him to the green power and you find out that he's like kind of possessed and it leads to this really stupid climax but we'll get there he like instantly morphs into a demon face and then morphs into a giant demon and it's not really well explained why that's happening so quickly it's too many morphs it's too many morphs and they're both stupid oh that was him that wasn't like a possession that wasn't the fell itself yeah, that was confusing what ended up happening there, but um, what, I was going to ask what you thought of the, the golem. He was, like, building that at the beginning, and there's a payoff where he brings it to life or whatever. Echoes golem? Yeah. I liked it because I was like, this is an unhinged artist building a stupid piece. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then later it turns out it was a, a thing. It did look like modern art, bad modern art. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe that's offensive, too, because it's golem, a golem, like a Jewish thing. Like the golem mm. story. Mm. I guess Warcraft is taking that a bit. <laughs> they just take something from everyone, aren't they? Yeah, they had dr- they had the orcs, which I'm pretty sure the actors were probably white, and they had dr- definitely had dreadlocks. <laughs> there was one weird thing about the king where he seems to be like very active in all the action, like he's fighting in the in the middle of the war, like he's on he's on first names basis with everybody in the kingdom. It's like. Shouldn't you delegate some of your power more? You don't have to do everything yourself. You're the king. That's why I had to die. That's why he had to die. <laughs> oh, and this whole... I forgot this whole setup for this film. Wasn't it something about, like, the orc... Uh, the half-orc lady has to, like, prove her allegiance to one side or the other and, like, secretly, like, be playing both sides? Wasn't there something about that at the very end? And there wasn't, like, any postscript either, by the way. It just kind of, like, hits the end like a wall and then it's just... So I think at the very, very end, again, the king is fighting on the front lines of a huge battle, and then he's like, you have to kill me so that you can bring peace to both of our peoples. And she's like visibly crying and upset and stabbing him in the neck, which is probably a horrible way to die. And like the other orcs see her doing this and breaking down, they're like, oh, this is our new hero, we have to celebrate her now. And like, she's found a new life among humans who like accepted her right away who accepted her, treated her like a normal human being person and now she's going back to orcs who hated her and treated her like shit this entire time and that's supposed to be i don't know like a happy ending bittersweet ending i can't understand it's <laughs> terrible for everyone i bet that's a third act rewrite yeah i was unclear on that on how um her being alienated from lothar without getting the king putting it in writing like she killed me at my request <laughs> my request like every, people are gonna think like what did you do on the human She's side so how is that how does that create peace with, between the two kingdoms fucking thing sucks <laughs> and like speaking of the fighting scenes they're not very interesting or well shot like i guess maybe it's trying to reproduce like the way that the the game fights work which is like a big group of soldiers fighting another big group of soldiers but it's not good to look at kind of smashing together i don't know why but i wrote down in my notes not campy enough for boys town too young for crazy (laughs) town and And then then also uh too video gamey to be taken seriously it's kind of a big problem with this movie i think the tone of it is trying to be kind of dramatic but the visuals of it are so like cartoonish that it doesn't work it clashes with each other and I should mention, I haven't said so far, like, I didn't actually hate this movie. Uh, for some reason, like, part of me was kind of rooting for it to pull together. Uh, like, from everything I had heard and, like, the reputation it accrued over the years, I assumed it would be, like, a horrible piece of shit. But it was like, this is so close to almost working. 
if people had just moved a few things around. Mm-hmm. They just had to Why? edit more, like the who the protagonists were, what the plot was. There, I, I feel like it was firmly in the mediocre camp for me, but it had like a big enough budget to be like, ooh, I am entertained. Well, it has a lot of potential, let's just say. I think the main thing it's missing is what you can kind of call like the Han Solo element, where like in the original Star Wars movies, you had one character who was kind of like taking the piss out of everything, like kind of pointing out how ridiculous it was, or like, I don't believe in that that nonsense, that Jedi nonsense. But here, everybody is so like, I don't know, straightforward. Aloof. Like, it's like, like devout religious about the, it. The tra- <laughs> sarcastic or surly but he's not very like funny or rebellious like he's just doing his job but being a little bit world weary about it exactly oh i did also note that dominic cooper we kept talking about his fighting and he had this horrible lion armor that he kept wearing in all the action scenes i just wanted to rip off it almost looked like it was maybe cgi armor or something i don't know how much of that they used that'd be hilarious I think they use too much CGI on the orcs and not enough CGI on the humans, maybe. Mm-hmm. There's also this one weird thing that jumped out that, like, there were a few, I guess, human lieutenants who were, I think, visually distinctive enough to stick out from like, their soldiers. So you'd think maybe these are going to be, like, important characters and they just get, like, their neck snapped or stabbed or something. It's like, okay, well, that, that went nowhere. A lot of the orcs did stand out. Um, there's a Clancy Brown one who keeps going back and forth. Like, sometimes he's helping Duratan, sometimes he's... Or maybe he helps the wife and then somehow uh, condemns Duratan to die. Can't really remember exactly how that all went down. Yeah, first he's with Gul'dan. And then, like, uh, the main orc shaman who's, like, doing this whole plot in motion. I don't know. There's some parts of it that I like where he's, like, there's a scene where he's kind of has a human captive next to him and he keeps doing pulls off of him like a hookah, just, like, sucking out some life juice. <laughs> And then there's another part where he's, like, in a fight, uh, Duratan, and, like, for the whole movie, you've seen him kind of, like, stooped over and hunched over, seeing him go, oh, this is an old man. Then he pulls off his cloak, and he's just, like, another huge boxer, like, all the rest <laughs> of them, and he's, like, fist-fighting them. He's ripped. <laughs> yeah, I did note that he really liked, uh, sucking up human souls, uh, and they could have, like, leaned into that more and made him also, like, Jabba the Hutt, uh, you know, eating his weird little mm-hmm. slimy fish things. Uh, that kind of energy. Or even, like, uh, Ursula and, in uh, Little Mermaid. Oh, she's fucking fabulous, though. Just, like, have him really take glee in, like, all the evil stuff he's doing instead of, again, just being kind of, like, a, an asshole or whatever. You never saw him take pleasure in it. Sad. So the villains aren't very good, and then, yeah, it just ends in a big, uh, messy, noisy action climax with, like, weird camera swoops. I think at some point they were trying to, like, replicate kind of that isometric Warcraft 1 through 3 look. Like, I just remember the, the camera was kind of, like, flying over as if it was, like, uh, over, like, a Warhammer uh, painted set or whatever. And then the other thing is just uh, Ben Foster turning into a giant weird golem thing. I don't know. I, I guess, like, to your point about there being flat villains <laughs> or evil in this thing, it just feels like everybody's a victim of this darkness somehow, and it's annoying me. And I, I guess I don't feel great about that, but it's not a compelling thing to base a story around. So I just wish, I, now I'm really wanting these evil puppets of the fell to have some like 
pleasure and joy in their like um, big badness or whatever. But it just seemed like they were like, I've got to do it. I'm a puppet or an evil green puppet. Their motivation, motivation is motivation. motivation. Yeah, like their actual yeah. motivations are never explained for anybody. Like a lot of the times when the Ben Foster wizard was talking, I was like, what do you actually want? What, you, what is your goal here? What, what are you trying to achieve? Are you an anti-hero, an anti-villain? What's your purpose? Well, yeah, even in that case, like they could have leaned more into like that Lovecraft feel, like really showed him being like weird and mm -hmm. messed up, uh, corrupted under the scenes. But then you're kind of left with, so was he just an evil guy, or was he corrupted by the magic, or was it like somewhere in the middle? I don't understand. Glenn Close should have told us. I think it was just supposed to be that, that throwaway line or something where he says like, "Oh, I don't, re I have memory, I have bl blocks of time I don't remember or something." So I think that's what we're supposed to believe. That was my impression, but it was very mm. trick. It was like kind of tricksy and unclear. I don't know if they have right, it in Warcraft, right. but sometimes in these fantasy things they'll have like chaos demons who will kind of possess people, so maybe that's what they're trying to go for. Like he's getting corrupted and that let them into his body. Yeah, and I think it was supposed to be like that's why he turned into a demon looking thing is because that's who's like controlling the fell or related to the fell, but they didn't explain that at all. I just found that by Googling, so it's not explained well <laughs> at all. That's, That's a, bad a bad sign. sign. You have to do, like, a lot of homework for this movie's plot to make sense. And actually, like, I was looking up the the first game plot, and it kind of is this, like, they're maybe being too faithful for it, but they're, like, um, hmm. the half-orc woman is just an assassin, like, that's it. She just wants to kill the king. There's not all this conflict. Hmm. Like, there. I want to do that. I'm going to do it. That's weird. I also read that she's Medivh's lover, not daughter in the game. Whoa. It just feels like a lot of this movie Creepy. could have been, like, backstory or flashbacks to, like, a more interesting plot. This should have been, like, the little comic yeah. that they give you before the movie actually starts. <laughs> to read and give you backstory. Just to, like... And then you're like, okay, here's the actual story with the orcs. Just do guy. like a Kate Blanchett narration, like humans and orcs have been at war for, for a generation, for three generations. This is their story. They even had that weird um, ancient Glenn Close god or mm. whatever that like could have been could narrating. Have that. They were like, oh, I'm just so ancient. I used my last bit of energy to tell you to further the exposition uh -huh. or something. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> they. <laughs> They could have had them being like a narrator though or something about the like they're like Gaia or something, I don't know. They're like, yeah. Yoda kinda did that, right? Now you go teach the new guy, then promptly die. <laughs> but then instead the narrator actually the first narrator was Durotan, so again they're they're tricking you, being like, Oh, here's the protagonist, oh wait, no. <laughs> and then they have the like little tag. It's no game the of little thrones. Tag again at, of the little green baby orc saying, like, someday you will like reunite your people or something like that it's like just show him reuniting the people skip ahead to that like they always do these things where like they take an entire movie to get to the point where you actually want the story to start like i think that started with the first uh jj abrams star trek movie like at the very end of it everybody's all together and they're like ready to go on their adventure <laughs> yeah or even with the x-men movie like uh especially the reboots like every 
movie you're you're waiting for them to just like be the x-men uh but there's some other like conflict that gets in the way of that x-men apocalypse they have a 10 second shot of them wearing their cool 90s costumes and it's like yeah just show them having 90s adventures don't do this all this setup of how they get there (laughs) yeah the star trek movies do that too right they were supposed to go on their five-year adventure tour they can never get to leave because there's always something bad going. finally in the third movie <laughs> Doc they had like an episode of the an episode of the week adventure and it was like this is what people like about star trek just them having like an exploration of a new planet and a new place and having different things happen. or now they have now they have strange new worlds after all these like divergences into uh discovery or picard uh, which is literally just like Star Trek One uh, all over again, like just the original series. I think even one of the executives who worked on the new Star Trek show was like, "What if we just made Star Trek? Like, just let's do Star Trek with the premises." What the people want? Or even it got so bad that then uh, Seth MacFarlane had to literally just like make a parody, mm-hmm. air quotes, of TNG, which is literally just TNG. It's just in the style of, like, the Weird Al songs that aren't actual Inspired by. Yeah. (laughs) Inspired by Gene Roddenberry, but not actually (laughs) copyright by him. Um, Yeah, this whole conflict felt very much like vampires versus werewolves or whatever. Just, like, two very similar camps. Oh, I was going to ask, does this uh, pass the Bechdel test? Because there's, like, the queen talking to Garona, but were they talking about a man and then... I guess the pregnant lady doesn't talk to any other ladies, really. It probably doesn't pass the Bickdell test. I just remember that the, I sort of doubt the queen it. gave her, like, a, a dagger and, like, in the orc's hand, like, a letter opener. So it's, like, the opposite of Bilbo's sword. <laughs> mm, that's true. She did say, like, for fighting or whatever, so there was a little bit. I liked a little bit of that where it was, like, oh, at least here's a lady who's, like, a fighter and here's a lady who's, like, a random queen. Mm. So here's some spectrum of femininity or something i don't know <laughs> or if they dared to let a lady just be like the protagonist uh it could have just been like a very stripped down like action film set in the warcraft universe of garona and it's like played by this mma fighter who was probably amazing and like i don't think she had a single fight scene like maybe one thing at the end she was fighting but just yeah, stab the king and that's it yeah yeah they could have had her like doing all these wrestling moves and taking people out with her legs and all this crap or like been a cool assassin that would have been awesome and because she was like uh in like a liminal phase between the two she's kind of between the two worlds um like bicultural whatever she'd be the perfect protagonist for this thing that's like ba- like showing these two worlds coming together or whatever or she actually has to choose something yeah and then that's what like thrall is kind of about apparently is he's like an orc the baby that we see at the end he, he's an orc who gets raised by humans or something and then comes back as like a warrior or something like that I'm like Thrall looking through my notes. I don't <laughs> Oh, yeah, sorry. So that would be like, it would make sense. Like, Garona could be the protagonist of the first movie, then Thrall would be like protagonist of the second movie or something. I don't know, something like that. They're like people bringing together the two worlds. <laughs> what if they did like a really crappy direct to DVD sequel, like shot in Scandinavia or whatever, like one of these tax havens, and it was called Warcraft semicolon Thrall? <laughs> and somehow it was better, it was better than this movie. movie. You know what this is like? They had this show that nobody watched called Krypton, and it was all about Superman's grandfather and, like, his life on Krypton, like, several years before it blew up. And it's like, I don't care about his grandfather. Just make, like, a Superman movie or TV show. That's that's what people like. That's what people want to see. Or just have him fight Brainiac, finally. 
Even though Man, Man and Steel, Steel like, like they kept showing like Brainiac-esque mm-hmm. tech, and they're like, all you need is to say there's an AI. Done. Print this movie. Oh my gosh, and then that's like Star Wars 2, where it's like everything has to be like related to the Skywalkers or Palpatine, everything goes back to the same families, there can be no new characters. Yeah, and finally Andor showed like what happens in the galaxy to everybody who's not like a Jedi or a Sith Lord or whatever, and just like everybody else who lives in this world. Or Bounty Hunter. I think that's a problem with like a lot of these probably after the Marvel movie started, like, they want to set up a franchise, but instead of doing that, they should just try to make one good self-contained movie that doesn't need to have any follow-ups and then see how people like that. They want to make a World of Warcraft. They don't even make that. They make (laughs) Warcraft, no world included. I want to see the world. (laughs) Right. Wait, wait, can I I ask a question of the group? What's, What's something that you enjoyed while watching this movie. movie. <laughs> just, just one, one thing, thing you took pleasure in. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll just say to contrast with Pablo, I actually liked the nerd mage character. I, I took the nerd bait. But I liked Garona too, I guess. I don't know. I think she probably comes off the best out of like the cast. Like She comes across smelling like roses out of everybody else in this movie. I do actually like the Raised by Wolves actor, Travis Fimmel, even though, again, his journey is a little silly. Thing I kept noticing is that the actor Travis is Australian, but he's doing like a Scandinavian accent in this movie. Maybe because he was like used to doing it for his Viking show, but like that's not his natural accent either. And nobody else in the movie has a similar accent. Oh, oh, I've never seen Vikings. Hmm, maybe I should watch it. Yeah, I haven't either. I I honestly thought that um, the the movie did a good job of like moving things along. And I didn't really feel bored most of the time, <laughs> which I appreciate. That's true. That's true. I, mean, I mean, they tried to do like the Star Wars thing where they like had several <laughs> threads, like the orc thread and then the, the mage and the human thread and then the cutting back to the various mages doing stupid shit. Like just for like all the shortcomings, I, I did feel like the pacing was good. This. I think I put Duncan Jones now after four movies in the category where like if he has a strong script then it'll go well uh, but if he's maybe trying to adapt maybe that's the failure of here like he was trying to adapt somebody else's work and is like trying to satisfy too many too many bosses maybe I don't know um, something hilarious about Femel that I just read uh, so first he started out as like an Australian footballer you know soccer player um, but then he broke his uh, leg. That's not the thing I found hilarious, but then he was a model for Calvin Klein, including doing like underwear modeling and stuff like that. So chances are you've seen him like on one uh-huh. of these big poster boards, like posing in his underwear with his abs out or whatever. So that's pretty hilarious. I think uh, there's a quote from maybe Quentin Tarantino or some similar director where he's like, uh, even bad movies, I learned something from them. Like I can take something away from them. And especially like, I would say there's a difference between a bad movie where they're trying to do their best to make a good movie and then like these Sharknado type movies where they're intentionally trying to make like a campy shitty movie like those ones are worse but Mm -hmm. if they give an effort I think you can at least find something to appreciate I mean I think you can definitely feel that Duncan Jones is probably like an old school nerd who probably did play these original Mm -hmm. Warcraft games and maybe knows of World of Warcraft and is trying to like bring some of that across so 
Like, in terms of a video game adaptation, like, there's some of these movies where they don't even try anything, like uh, Uncharted or, like, any of these Tomb Raider movies, where it's, like, very straight... Yeah, or the horrible Resident Evil movies, where it's just, like, they're not even trying to do anything like the video games. Uh, So here, they're clearly trying to do the video game, but it's just, like, all the concessions they make. And just, like, I don't know, I just feel like there is just a naked greed aspect to this, where if Avatar hadn't come out and made a billion dollars, they wouldn't have even talked about this. And again, if Lord of the Rings hadn't done the same thing, uh, there's no way this movie ever would have gotten made. But again, somebody was just like, let's combine the 3D stuff with the fantasy stuff and try to like fool some people into watching this. And then maybe they got a good director, but uh, probably not a good screenwriter. I don't, even know. I don't even know who wrote this thing. I think Duncan Jones wrote it, or at least co-wrote it. Ugh. So maybe he can't <laughs> write his own scripts. And some guy called Charles Levitt who wrote Blood Diamond. <laughs> Blood Diamond? Hey, hey, Pax. He's the one to blame. And Seventh, seventh Son? That movie's a piece of shit. <laughs> we found the person. But yeah, like, a lot of times people will say, like, this is the worst movie ever, that's the worst movie ever, but maybe they have, like, a good supporting performance or good visuals or some other kind of, like, redeeming factor. Well, yeah, and I think I did say before, like, the effects overall are very good. Like, you can see a lot of movies from this era, even, like, the Marvel, early Marvel movies or, or mid-tier Marvel movies, have some spotty effects, and that's probably because of Rush things. Uh, so it is more or less like attractive effects, but again, uh, you know, and a lot of them, but uh, without like a motivating story, it's kind of pointless. And there's a movie I think coming out either this year, or maybe later this year, the Dungeons and Dragons movie, and that seems like a better template for this kind of story. Oh, yeah. Like you have like a, a group of varied characters exploring a world, actually doing something interesting. Yeah, that movie looks like they did Guardians of the yeah. Galaxy, but in a fantasy universe. Uh, so it'll probably be good. I don't know. Maybe it'll be bad. But It'd go either way. It's a good shot. But I think that's a better like, uh, that's a better pattern to follow than this kind of movie where it's just very straight-faced, like deadpan almost. Or even just compare it to the original Dungeons and Dragons movie, which is just some '90s horrible uh, schluck. Uh, Marlon Wayans and Jeremy Irons. What's the deal with Marlon Wayans? He's also in like, uh, he's also in GI Joe for some reason, the one with all the action suits. He has a secret nerdy streak. He and he was gonna be Robin in in Batman Returns at some point, or maybe the original Batman. Uh, yeah, Tim. Maybe Burton the custom. problem, maybe the problem with these video game adaptations is that like, the movie version of them is never gonna be quite right. Maybe they should do one of those like choose your own adventure Ooh. Netflix. Netflix episodic things. I don't know what they're called anymore. I think it is like a choose-your-own journey. Because I feel like that would have been fun. Book publishers get mad at them for using that because they have, like, choose-your-own-adventure trademark, so they have to use a different term. (laughs) Make up your own story. story. Make up... Yeah. Decide Decide your path path. journey. journey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like the most successful, yeah, like, game adaptations I've seen take the story as inspiration for exploring relationships between people and actually having like actual in-depth conversations about motivations and stuff like that but this movie just is going through the motions of telling you the story or whatever and so that's when it's not successful Mm. it's almost like a like a bible adaptation or whatever which is like so (laughs) dead and like beholden and like reverent we're like, I don't even know which character I care yeah, about. Yeah, it's like somebody wrote, and then Durotan like sacrificed himself to Goldan in front of all the orcs, and like, <laughs> and, and 
Unbegot um, uh, Thrall or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and Unbegot Thrall and inspire the revolution of the future or whatever. Yeah, anyways, it's, yeah, it's like somebody just describing what happened. <laughs> I think you can kind of tell a difference where, like, um, sometimes you'll be able to get into the internal mind of a character. Like in Game of Thrones, they're very good about that. Like, you always understood what each character wanted, like what they were trying to get. And here it feels like you're outside mm-hmm. all the characters. Like, you can't really get into their get into their mind. Yeah, who's the audience proxy? Probably the mage I guess nerd. Especially the young mage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's so like the... unrelatable. He gets Stupid. to sit in the cuck chair. Like, <laughs> <for> the third... <laughs> that might have been like maybe he is a good uh, good actor and he was just badly directed and like, had good bad dialogue or something. Check him out and why the last man. All right. Um, and I, I did also note that uh, so the guy who plays the king. Uh, Goldan or whatever, is voiced by this guy Daniel Wu, and his main thing is being like an action star in China and Hong Kong. So it's like, why would you cast somebody who's most known uh, for being like an action star, like alongside Jet Li and Wushu sort of thing, and not have him be like a human or humanoid character, like doing a bunch of cool action stuff? Uh, I mean, I guess they do have a fight scene, but I doubt he did the you know motion capture for that or anything. <laughs> So it's just like a very weird, like, you really want him for his voice? Like, okay, that's cool, but like, why not have him do cool action stuff that he's known for? I think his voice acting was fine, but it was like surprising that there was like a younger guy and not like an older, gruff, like Clancy Brown type actor. Yeah, Clancy Brown would have been perfect. But apparently, <laughs> uh, Daniel Wu was also in the most recent Tomb Raider movie as Lara's like sidekick. So maybe he just is really attracted mm. to shitty video game movies. Yeah, I mean, and it's great to have some diversity, even though it's, like, invisible mm-hmm. diversity, because you wouldn't really know unless you looked it up. Huh, so, I don't know, it's pros and cons. Oh, wait, so, wait, he was Gul'dan, you said? Yeah. Uh, Shaman. So, yeah, they the literally guy. just used him to be buff in that one scene to, like, fight. And they spent the entire <laughs> rest of the time hunched over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and also, like, sucking guys dry, uh-huh. like, that was his other favorite hobby. <laughs> It's all very odd. Strange choices. <laughs> it's, better, it's better than that poor guy in The Eternals, uh, that comedian, uh, Kumail Nanjiani. We didn't even get to take off his shirt yeah. or whatever. He's like, I worked out for months. And he wears loose sweaters the entire movie. <laughs> that was odd. Um, oh, I thought Gul'dan had a cool line. I got a one-liner. He said, be feared or be fuel. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wrote down a few like random good lines. Um, something about like Ben Foster. Uh, I think the young mage says it's the loneliness. It makes us weak, and I want to save us all. Or actually, I think Ben Foster says that part. Uh, so something about loneliness. Like again, sort of these Lovecraft themes. That's well, like the weird thing about that character. Like I can't tell if he's supposed to be like a tragic like monster, or he's just supposed to be like somebody who's amoral and doesn't care about like the consequences of things or both like it's not clear at all or maybe it's kind of like uh you know saruman in uh the two towers or kind of like uh the reavers and firefly where they they go out to the edgy edge of uh space and see nothing and then just go crazy (laughs) Uh, something like that even that explanation was enough you have to make up all this like head canon explanations for the characters like it's not shown on screen in any way mm-hmm. all i know is i wish they had told a different story yeah like just skip ahead to the main 
timeline that people care about that people are huge fans about. Like, I'm pretty sure Warcraft 1, like, it was popular in its time, but, like, millions more people, billions probably, maybe, are more interested in, like, the more current timeline of the games. Oh, another last line is, if love is what you need, you must be willing to travel to the ends of the earth to find it. Which I bet they somehow thought was the theme of the movie, even though it definitely wasn't. But that line is when he's describing traveling to another world to have sex with an orc woman. It's impregnating an orc woman. <laughs> there right. you go. But uh, he didn't go to the ends of the earth. He opened a portal to a different earth. universe. Oh, it's the universe of madness. <laughs> and then went, he went space, space crazy. crazy. Yeah. Um, and then a cinematographer I mentioned already has worked with Alex Proyas, but a few other things, uh, Live Free or Die Hard, the fourth one, and then Underworld Evolution, which I think was that second one, as well as the third Mummy movie, and also The Great Gatsby. It's kind of an interesting, uh, filmography. Proyas is a cinematographer. You take the, the work that you're hired for, you don't really make, like, a huge amount of choices. I was gonna say about the story structure, I feel like, overall... I maybe like the idea of like they both there were two parallel worlds they both had corrupted mages essentially kind of leading the empire in the wrong direction or whatever and then they're meeting to have a war maybe like that general outline is okay but then all the stuff about like some of the orcs don't like that and they're trying to make an alliance and it just gets all muddled like you said like the la the in the last part falls apart um it's very blah Mm-hmm. And I feel like one thing that was confusing, too, is, like, the colors. Like, okay, so I get the blue and green, but then because so the fell is green, but some of the orcs are green, but they're not necessarily related to the fell. That's just because orcs are green, but then some of the orcs are, like, orange. So it's just, like, Were very confusing. Yeah, I don't know. Was that just, did that mean anything? Were the green ones related to the fell? I think it's, like, the orange <laughs> I thought that yeah. was. I think it's like the orange ones are how they all were before they found this. And then like as they started getting more into it, they all started turning green. And eventually by like the main mm -hmm. games, they're mostly green. They're like different tribes and different tribalism and all got very confusing. And you need like a map <laughs> to figure it all out. All I know is that I use the color coding to understand who was honorable and who was not. <laughs> and I found... I myself falling back on green ghouls bad <laughs> but even that <laughs> no it's honor like the movie is trying to create uh fantasy racism like the green skins are bad the orange skins are good is that helpful is that a good thing to start creating orange skins are better i don't know they're still and they already did that in the terrible bright movie and why do the orcs skin change when there's like the humans they just have gr get green eyes from the fell or whatever it's like <laughs> kind of weird um speaking of honor i did really like in the goldan duratan fight uh so goldan starts cheating and like using magic to win the fight and the other orcs kind of turn on him a little bit being like that's you have no honor that's dishonorable and this that and the other thing that's kind of a nice like sort of a character touch having the other orcs like actually reject that there's some kind of uh subtext in this movie that that magic is not that anybody who does magic isn't really to be trusted like, I think at the beginning of the movie, when he first finds the mage, he's like, what are you doing here, you you, you evil or mysterious mage? Mm -hmm. But I don't know if that's actually in the rest of the games or not. 
And by the way, if you guys want to see a really seemingly incomprehensible and incoherent fantasy adaptation, uh, I recently watched the trailer for this movie called The Last Nights. And you've got to just watch this. And I encourage everyone out there listening to this to watch that too uh, after this podcast. It's last K N I G H T S nights. Somehow an, an emulgation of like uh, Japanese sword fighting techniques with like high fantasy and like a lot of bullshit, it seems like. Sounds like a fever dream. Yeah. All right. So do we think they should make a Warcraft 2? Maybe not this director or writer or anyone else related to this movie, but like somehow just try to continue it. Is there any gas left in the tank? I think like Erica was saying, like Netflix might be a good place to do this, like doing like an anime kind of story or like CGI animated. Like it seems like that's a good place for this kind of stuff to go and have like the actual people at Blizzard work on it who know the stuff. Dwarves and elves and all those Mm -hmm. other ones. I vote, yeah. yeah. Panda people. But you gotta basically assign it to a different team completely, like you're saying. Because I, I, I guess I want to know more. I just... Ugh, it's like when somebody didn't get the point of the assignment or something. <laughs> it's like, I wanted to see the assignment done right. And there have been other examples of this. Like, there was another Final Fantasy movie after that first one was, like, a spectacular bomb. And there were other, like, uh, CGI Resident Evil movies as well as a Netflix movie. And I think there was another film, too. They had the more recent... Uh, well, I don't know. They had, like, three, three most recent Resident Evil ones. And, like, Raccoon City is, like, one of those things that I said, like, they clearly have good intentions. Maybe it's not the best movie ever made, but at least they're going to it with, like, a good a good spirit. Starting basis. Yeah. But then you have, like, the Netflix Resident Evil show, the recent one, where it just seems like they're just making their own random story that has nothing to do with anything. But yeah, Netflix is a, getting a really good track record now between Arcane and uh, Cyberpunk, even, and Castlevania going a little further back. Maybe that Dragon Age one. Making some pretty... And The Witcher, obviously. Yeah, they just did Dragon Age. They had another dragon one, I forget. They have, like, multiple animes based on <laughs> game video games. So they're doing some really good stuff there somehow. Yes. They figured it out. They cracked the code. <laughs> well, and it does seem like it's, it's like Hollywood doesn't want new... They don't want to come up with a new fantasy world. They're just like, all right, you already built the world. We need the IP, so you might as well keep recycling it and just try to do it better next time. <laughs> Ooh, Warcraft versus Warhammer. There's one thing that always <laughs> bugs me about fantasy stuff where, like, they won't just say it's elves, it's dwarves. They'll say, like, it's the Lothlarlians, the the Smithies. You're just like, just call them elves and dwarves. You don't need to invent a new name every time. <laughs> it's like fucking Walking Dead calling all the zombies walkers all the time. It's like, you know they're zombies. Stop pretending. You know my name, damn it. <laughs> Right. Does anyone have anything else to say about Warcraft, or would you recommend this movie? Maybe this go they should have had again. more sex. <laughs> uh, Erica, would you recommend this movie? Um, no. <laughs> I think yeah. What they kept repeating. Okay, I just gonna gonna say like I guess I don't know what the central premise was. It was to follow, go anywhere for love or something. Yeah, it didn't. It was not impactful enough for me to recommend this. I guess. I would do anything for love, <laughs> but I wouldn't open the green portal and use the green magic on everyone. Right, don't do that. <laughs> 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 I, I think this movie came and went without really like leaving any impact. So even if you tried to recommend it to someone, like you should see that old Warcraft movie, they'd be like, "What? That, that movie doesn't exist. What are you talking about?" So I don't think anybody <laughs> should see this unless they really love Warcraft. 
and even those people we should probably shouldn't see that. But what if Duncan Jones has secretly been working for 15 years revolutionizing the tech underwater <laughs> to make the perfect sequel? I believe I would recommend this movie to people who want to watch it under the influence of hmm. something, something fun. fun. That's true. <laughs> Good work. But something that kind of reminds me or like something I don't like about Avatar is like in that movie, if I can talk about Avatar for a second. Um, even though that movie seems like very pro-life and very like, oh, I'm so interested in biology and all these human processes, it's also just like a very dreadful movie and like very, like it's invested in taking life as well. Like basically the ending is just an orgy of violence against like plants and animals and various things where it's like you're both celebrating life, but then okay, like portraying the loss of massive amounts of life doesn't quite compute for me. That translate to world. How does this translate to this movie? <laughs> I guess it doesn't. I just want to complain about Avatar first. <laughs> <laughs> but does well. Oh, so I was gonna say. So I think that movie is not good to watch under <coughs> influences, but this one might be. I mean, hmm. I would recommend you see this movie if, like me, you thought it was going to be like a zero percent. <coughs> But then it ends up being like maybe like a 50 to 60% or something, if for some reason going by a 100 point system. Um, I don't know, yeah, it's not as bad as I, uh, nearly as bad as I thought it would be, but it just ends up being like, doesn't leave much of an impact like you were all were saying. Ooh, it would be ideal if someone didn't even know this was, like, if this they existed at all, had no concept of the universe whatsoever and just went into it, like as a ride at, you know, an amusement park. That would be great as a ride. <laughs> Get splashed with some green orc blood or whatever that was. Yeah. I don't know. Aside from, like, Chris Nolan movies, I feel like a good metric of movies in general is if you can, like, really simplify it down. Like, imagine you were around a campfire and just, like, what is the story you would tell someone about a movie? Like uh, in Return of the Jedi or whatever, C-3PO is telling the story of the entire trilogy to the Ewoks. So it's like if you were sitting around a campfire and you're trying to tell someone the story of Warcraft, you'd be completely convoluted with a bunch of dead ends, a bunch of characters who don't end up mattering that much, uh, shifting protagonists throughout, you know, very unclear theme. It just wouldn't work very well as like a simple, you know, stripped back story that you're just telling somebody. So I'm very confused how they like kept greenlighting it and nobody pushed back at any point. This is Homer's Odyssey, okay? That's the campfire. That's the campfire you're at. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's kind of similar to that Halo TV show that just came out where they kept trying to do like a Halo movie and a Halo series with different directors attached and then they finally did it and it's like this is too complicated for a normal audience to care about, but it's not complicated enough for like the the built-in Halo audience to care about. That's not really satisfying like either either one. I think like for Warcraft, if you've never played a Warcraft game, you won't really care about any of these, this plot or these characters. But if you have played Warcraft, you're also kind of like annoyed that they're focusing on this weird backstory one instead of like the ones you actually like. It's kind of like how up until the MCU, a lot of these comic book adaptations were kind of embarrassed about being comic book adaptations. So they try to shy away from all the features that mm -hmm. make it a comic book. So in the exact same way, I think maybe Duncan Jones or whoever, the writers, uh, were like so worried about this being perceived as like a dumb action movie that they like pushed it entirely the other way and like made it almost entirely conceptual and like 
you know, tri weird tribalism and like weird factions and, uh, you know, hope for the future and all this crap that you really didn't need. And you could have just made like a pretty straightforward movie and probably would have been like perfectly exciting and acceptable. So it just got carried away from them. And I think like jumping back to how everything is kind of inspired by something else, I think probably people have made more interesting movies that are like inspired or based on Warcraft or Dungeons and Dragons aren't necessarily literally those so maybe it works better if you don't have to be tied to those specific licenses. or i mean i know this movie isn't rated very highly but the super mario brothers movie like the original one like that could have been a very stupid kids film in many ways it is still but just the fact that they like took that property and made this like bug fuck crazy like mad max dystopian uh -huh. fever acid dream of a movie <laughs> it's just that at least showed like some ambition and creativity and thought even if it's all extremely misguided uh, and has a lot of. I think they said that the the original script for that was a lot more like almost cyberpunk and like dystopian focused, and then they kind of had to like trim it down to like the end result is more calm than it was originally <laughs> planned. Well, I would have liked to see that movie, and just as much I would have liked to see the Warcraft movie that wasn't so beholden to like being a Warcraft movie and could have just been like interesting explorations of magic or like what you were saying about Warhammer. Mm. Uh, there is. There's this movie called Event Horizon, which is more or less like a Warhammer 40,000 movie, even though it doesn't actually have the license for it. So, like, there's this idea in the games that if you use, like, an interstellar warp drive without psychic protection, then you can get taken over by, like, demons, basically. And that's what happens in the movie, and the, the writer eventually admitted, yeah, I basically just took it from Warhammer because I love Wait, that Wait, what? I had no idea about any of that. That's um, hilarious. So I think there's a lot of times where you can be inspired by something, but you don't necessarily have to make like a slavish uh, copy of it. Like you don't have to be so beholden. There's to. a lot of things that steal very like openly from Lovecraft. Uh, like I think you were telling me about some movie that's kind of like an alien ripoff, but then it ends. Uh, I, I don't know if I should spoil it, but like it is very Lovecraft inspired. Let's just say. It's it's worth spoiling because there's no reason to watch the movie <laughs> otherwise. But it's um, with Kristen Stewart, and I think it's called like Underwater. Like that's the title of it. So for, like, two hours of the movie, you're like, okay, this is kind of like just an Aliens ripoff. And then at the very end of the movie, you see literally Cthulhu <laughs> with, like, giant tentacle faces and wings come out of the ocean. And you're like, oh, okay, that's why you do it like this. <laughs> that's great. Or like, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of the stupid 90s way that a movie studio would do this. It'd probably be, like, some kid in our universe falls into a portal and goes to, like, the fantasy world and, like, meets a fawn or whatever like do like a c.s lewis riff <laughs> somehow becomes the king of the realm well like the recent the recent sonic movies they're i mean i think they're pretty good for what they're doing but they're not sonic really movies. similar to the sonic <laughs> games at all so it's like you kind of just made a movie about a weird little blue alien who has portals and then called that sonic that junk they should have had it be that there was the video game in that universe and he gets inspired like maybe he doesn't even look like sonic but then he sees the video game and like yeah. morphs his body to look like that <laughs> yeah and that's i think the only reason i'm looking forward to the new mario animated movie because it seems like the people making that actually like like the games are not trying it. to be embarrassed by it have played mm -hmm. the games <laughs> yeah that looks good have have you seen that um that vox machina cartoon on amazon that's uh based on that critical role stream where they played dungeons and dragons but it's all voice actors and so with that one they literally just took from their campaign 
the story and so you have the general setup of like a crew on a quest or whatever but um they just went more of the comedy route with it so they're like all the voice actors they're all being funny so i i feel like that would be one way is to make it the light lighten it and make it more increase the brevity of this and then yeah that's one another way to deal with having a video game uh ip or whatever Mm -hmm. and you don't even have to do like quips every 30 seconds but i think just having like some like maybe by background soldier or something just like saying what even is an orc or something like that? Know, just like <laughs> something to underline that this isn't have to be deadly serious the whole time. Like I hate it when movies feel like they're not lived in, where like every character ceases to exist as soon as their scene ends, and it doesn't seem like people had mm. been talking before or after, or like any world existed. It's so nonsensical. But we had talked about it briefly before. But there was also that uh, uh, Felicia Day sitcom where they're like World of Warcraft players. Uh, so there's that meta aspect mm-hmm. at least, or maybe they could have ripped off those Jumanji reboot movies and had someone like literally playing the characters or something, or somehow they interact. I don't know. These are all horrible adaptation ideas as well, but like at least there's something more interesting and involved with it. So in conclusion, uh... <laughs> in conclusion, from light comes darkness, and from darkness light. So out of this movie, something better will come. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I'd like to see like, I'd like to see what Duncan Jones' next project is if he is still planning any more new projects, because <laughs> that'll kind of like cement is he like a director who had lucky flukes at the start of his career but is overall okay, or is he just like doomed to keep making worse and worse movies? I mean, he's definitely one of those uh, nepo babies, nepotism babies. <laughs> mm. But then you get some good examples like that, like uh, George. Uh, Harrison's son, who helped create Rock Band 3 and Beatles Rock Band. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, in conclusion, uh, yes, I believe they're guilty. (laughs) Wait, what is it? (laughs) Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Sorry, I said that extreme. Um, Yeah, I don't think this movie deserved to succeed, and actually it didn't fail by that much, so that's that's impressive anyway. That just shows the strength of the IP. Um, and if they didn't really have a compelling story to tell, I don't really know why they did this all to begin with. Uh, it, I definitely feel like it was very greed-driven and very, like, IP-driven, and we want to, like, uh, you know, try to take some of this Lord of the Rings and Avatar money while we can. Uh, I think if they hadn't been so, like, narrowly focused, they probably would have made a lot of different decisions. I guess it's just, like, trying to stretch out these franchises as long as possible, so that's why they take all this, like, time to build up to the, to the main plot of the series. Or, like, a really good example of that is those Planet of the Ape reboots, where, like, it is a very long story told, like, very methodically across three parts, and it is very, like, satisfying to feel like the whole arc of this character. Uh, so, again, if you just, like, stuck with Durotan across, like, three movies and had that arc in your mind, and, or, uh, or the orc uh, MMA fighter lady, Paula Patton, hmm. then that could have been compelling, but they didn't do either of those things, so. Oopsies. <laughs> mm-hmm. all right i think that's everything that anyone has ever had to say about warcraft unless anyone else has anything else <laughs> more dire wolves they, they should have had... had more of the like fantasy creatures involved in the fighting even more they should have had more of the klingon sex that was the only good part maybe <laughs> just the orcs were mentioning that they're basically klingons <laughs> Or even, like, if you're ripping off Star Wars this much, why not have, like, Ben Foster go all evil emperor and, like, be shooting lightning out of his hands or whatever, like, 
like a visual magic thing, not just like he becomes a stone thing. Well, there was that scene where he was building like a wall out of lightning, and I think that's supposed to be protective, but there's no reason to make it out of lightning. Right. Yeah, it wasn't. It's like the Harry, some of the Harry Potter movies. Like they didn't have very good applications of magic. Could have like done literally mm-hmm. anything. Said so they're just like shooting light beams around or whatever. Okay, so that has been uh, 2016's Warcraft, starring a bevy of then stars and current stars, and very unsuccessful launch to the Warcraft cinematic universe. Um, and I just wanted to thank my guests again, uh, my brother Juan. Thank you for having me on. He's been our Warcraft experts uh, in Warhammer. <laughs> That's because Warhammer is better. Uh, also, my wife, Ada Jeanette. Oh, yes. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> As always, my co host. Oh, yes. Good chatting with you. And me, the other co host. Good chatting with me. <laughs> so. <laughs> So welcome Welcome to to season three. three. We have some exciting episodes planned about various things of interest, and I hope you'll keep checking us out. Until next time.